Welcome to twoquestions.tv. With me today is Finbar Lucy, and we're going to talk about going from global to local. Twoquestions.tv, brief questions, deep knowledge for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business owners. Welcome to twoquestions.tv. I'm Susan Barancini Mo. Joining me today is Finbar Livesey. He's a senior lecturer in the Department of Politics and International Studies at Cambridge University. He's consulted for a number of national governments and presented to multinational corporations on new models of industrial policy. He studied political, uh, public policy in the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard and was a director of Geo Partners, a consultancy based in Boston. He also assisted in setting up the Open Economies Project at the Berkman Klein Center for the Internet and Society at Harvard. He's also the author of this book, From Global to Local, The Making of Things and the End of Globalization. And that's what we're talking about today. Hi, Finbar, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Well, thanks for being here. Your book, let's just, between us, let's be honest, it's a high level book. <laughs> it's a thinking person's book all right and and when i started reading it um i i actually said to my husband ah oh, this book is really intense i have to really work at this one <laughs> it's a great book though you talk about politics economics social theory mass customization technology tariffs and shipping costs, planned obsolescence, pressure on raw materials, circulating, all these things. I could ask you questions all day long about this book. <laughs> so suffice to say, there's a lot happening here. But it seemed to me that you're not just looking at the role of manufacturing in today's economy, but really challenging assumptions about how we view our role in time. Meaning we have this idea, for example, in the United States, that, that manufacturing is kind of dead. And you say, no, the landscape's constantly changing, so don't make these assumptions. So where do you think we're headed? Any ideas? Well, I've got, as you say, a bununch of ideas. You do. I hope that the book isn't too high level. The intention is that it's very, very accessible. Yes. And the idea is, as you said, to try and challenge people to think through where all their assumptions come from. And so where the book really started from, the root of it was unpacking these ideas about what globalization means and what happens as the process of globalization unfolds. So where are we going? Well, we seem to be going to a world where different parts of the story want to move in different directions. So for example, when we talk about moving physical products, iPhones, cars, tables around the world, that feels like it's going to be always closer and closer to you. The technologies change, the ideas about how we make change, uh, the availability of energy and inputs, all of that, rather than being made on the other side of the world and put in a container and brought to you, that, that life is, is ending. But at the same time, the, the inflection or the complication is we've got this really dense digital world and that's reaching around the world many, many, many times. And so how do we talk about a world in which you're simultaneously being told everything is going global, everything's a mix up in this cultural sense of the global world level versus actually physically it's gonna be much closer to you. And that's, that's the real tension in the center of the book. How do we think about the world when things are moving in opposite directions? I, I, um, I, and, and to be fair, it's, it's not, it's not a hard book, viewers. It's, it's a wonderful book. It really is. And it really is a thought-provoking book. It makes you really think about 
um, about exactly what you say, where we're heading and, and how are we thinking about these things? And when, when we really are, but I, but I was disappointed in the chapter where you said, sorry, you're not going to be able to go to a replicator and get your Earl Grey tea hot. <laughs> oh, I'm so disappointed. That's not happening anytime soon. Sorry, <laughs> all the Star Trek fans are going, damn. Darn. Yeah. <laughs> you got me. That's exactly it. Well, one thing that kept popping in my head over and over as I read this book is, um, and this may seem random, but I swear it's connected. Um, there's this show on YouTube that Anthony Bourdain does, and it's called Raw Craft. And have you, crazy, but have you seen it? I haven't. It's a little show. It's the brief episodes are quite wonderful. And they focus on these makers of things. And they're all these extraordinary people. Like they make the most meticulous, perfect cast iron pans or the perfect knives. And, and every time I see it, I think this is at least one answer to mass consumption, mass creation of, like you talk about fast fashion and these things that in general really don't last. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the price is high, right? But if you buy one perfect knife and yep. it's so good that it lasts a lifetime or two, what does yep. that mean? So, so where's the place for that kind of maker in the future that you're talking about in the book? That kind of maker may actually become quite dominant because when you put the pressures of environmentalism together with what we've been talking about in terms of just moving stuff around, you get companies who understand my customer may pay twice the price than everything else that they may buy, but they'll have it for four times as long, or it actually may become even a family heirloom. So for yes. fans of the West Wing, the scene where President Bartlett hands over the family carving knife to Charlie, you know, yes. that's not been in the family because it was made by um, Boston knife makers 150 years before. That idea fell out of our economy, fell out of our thinking, but it's coming back. And some makers of even white goods. So Bosch, as an example, Bosch explicitly make their washing machines so they won't break down. They try and put longevity in and they know they're going to charge you 20%, 30% more than a standard washing machine that you might buy from somebody else. So those makers actually have a really strong place, especially if environmental factors really do come to the fore and are first and foremost in both the consumer's mind and in the regulator's mind as well. Indeed, and you spoke to my heart a little there because I am in love with my Bosch washer. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and I've had it almost 10 years. And it's never, ever given me a problem. Okay, knock on wood just in case. I'm not a superstitious person, but you never. But, but yeah, I, I, and, and, and I think that's a question I've been wanting to ask someone for the longest time is about this idea of, you know, we, and it always makes me think about, you know, more sort of tribal times when, you know, you didn't go overseas to get anything. You got, went down, you know, the path to the hut down the path and you, you asked the person there, could you make me the thing? And, and when I looked at these, you know, these makers and these extraordinary people making these beautiful things and, and they're, they're very local and very nearby. And I thought, I wonder if that's where we're going. And I was so happy to finally have a book that I could ask a person about that. So I'm so glad you came on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting, though, because there's the versions of really hyper-localization. And one example I give in the book is um, the, uh, book, the book example where you get the book printed wherever you're buying it. So right. in the Harvard bookstore, rather than having lots and lots of stock, you browse and you say, I want that book. 
and it can print the book to print quality in five minutes and you, it's called a cappuccino bookmaker because that's how long it takes to make a cappuccino. But that, that version of it is really interesting. Where I think the really critical issue for the United States and for other countries is what's the spread across all the different products between having it next door to you, in the next town to you, in the next state, and potentially then in Mexico or in Canada, as opposed to them being outside your region. And so this regional global divide is really key as well. But you're right, there, the idea of craft is coming back, the idea of time, and that idea of environmentalism and local is very strong as well. Isn't that exciting? What wonderful times we live in. I would love to just go and get a book printed for me. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed this. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great. All right, viewers, the book is From Global to Local. We're going to put a link to this book on to Amazon so that you can pick this up and read it because it is well worth taking the time and putting in and really thinking about these things. So thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. This has been twoquestions.tv. To subscribe to our YouTube channel, learn more about the show, the guests, and our host, Susan Barancini-Mo, visit us at www.twoquestions.tv.